Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now how do you know as a finance professional if you're hitting the right notes with your clients and business partners? Well our guest mentor this week is Patrick Levy who shares some of his practical answers that have worked for him and can work for you too. As we go further into the episode we also discuss Patrick's unique career journey which could be seen as actually taking a bit of a back the front approach to becoming an accountant because Patrick initially started his career performing and writing music having worked on 15 uh, TV documentaries before then qualifying as an accountant in the public sector and then going on to be a financial consultant to schools before joining as he calls it one of the most forward-thinking accounting firms in the UK. So look, Patrick and myself got on really well. It was a really interesting episode. Uh, Patrick takes us through a number of different areas for example, some common threads between being a finance professional and his experience of visual direction and music. Also, some really good practical ways on how to get clients and leaders to engage more with their finance professionals and their finance support. And also the three main challenges facing Patrick's current clients and a straightforward bit of advice that we could all take to actually reduce the number of business failures that we see and hear around us. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with Patrick. If you did, please check out our timestamp show notes where we highlight all the key areas covered at various stages of the conversation, some of the key quotes. Patrick mentions a number of key resources and we also provide links to those in there too. And we'd also appreciate you letting your friends and your colleagues know about us. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and YouTube. And again, really appreciate you listening in. So without further ado, over to Patrick and the show. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show because uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a so, like, long-term listener, first-time caller kind of uh, situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're quite right. I've um, come about things slightly the opposite to, to some, and definitely had a very strange route into uh, into finance. So I, I started off probably the same. I was kind of uh, scientific and maths oriented at school, and then went to study engineering at Edinburgh University. But quickly realised that I didn't really want to be an engineer um, for various reasons. And so obviously you don't want to pursue a course if you're not going to do it. So I switched to psychology and completed my degree in psychology there at Edinburgh and, and that was great you know I find that um, just fascinating and, and still do but then of course that it would have been too easy just to be a psychologist right so I went mm-hmm. off and switched completely and went into a career in music because I was a musician anyway uh, but just wanted I wanted to be a producer you know I came down to London with big, big ideas I'm going to be a producer like there's no other producers in London you know and did that for a while. I was performing and writing and uh, ended up doing music for uh, documentaries. That was great. So that was many years and had about, 
don't know, 15 documentaries on telly and uh, and worked with a number of um, directors. And then uh, during, I always had a part-time job at the same time, because as you might imagine, uh, uh, um, music, I'm sorry, is a tricky one to keep the money coming on. So I, I always had um, an interest in finance, so I had a part-time job on the side. But then when the downturn came, you know, like 2008, 2009, started getting qualified, got into finance, and didn't particularly mean to, but just kind of veered off into the public sector. And then um, ended up working as a in the education sector, and uh, did four years of being what they called a school's finance advisor. So that was going out every day, working in different offices every day, being a finance consultant, basically. And yeah, it was great. It was fascinating. It was a kind of all-in-one job. So you were doing the year-end accounts, you were doing the uh, all the, the governance, the compliance stuff, but also the day-to-day uh, and month-to-month management accounts, kind of working with the business leaders, so to speak, you know, head teachers and what have you, and, uh, and governors. And then I kind of decided that I, I always wanted to stay in that kind of consultancy area. Um, as opposed to going in working in one in bu- one business. So when I decided to move my life away from London and back to near where some family were up in, uh, in Norfolk, which is where I am now, and that's how I ended up going sort of backwards into practice, the opposite way that other people do, because I wanted to stick with the whole consultancy, you know, working with many businesses rather than one, because it's more about helping and problem solving. So it kind of the natural thing. And then I found this firm where I'm working now, which are um, Farnell Clark. And I just was lucky that up here in, in Norwich, it just so happens that one of the most forward thinking uh, firms in the country, like the one of the only ones that's been cloud only for, for the last 10 years or more, uh, is right here. Uh, so I sought them out and you know came for a chat. And I've been here for a couple of months. Yeah, so I mean that's definitely something I'd love to to follow up with you more. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic hearing about forward-thinking accounting firms outside our major, I suppose, commercial centres. So that that is really fantastic. But the, but there are some sort of parts on your journey I'd love to go into a bit more, Patrick. And when you were sort of describing sort of being involved in the music and the documentary business, I was wondering, I I could sort of see you know how we prepare. I know reports or insights and 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 stitch together a story for our audience, the business leaders. Like, is there any sort of useful skills you you've sort of identified there that you could perhaps say you've brought into your current work when you're advising yeah. clients and businesses? Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you asked because I was going to try and explain all that. <laughs> it's uh, it does seem like a completely random path to to where I've got to, but there are actually uh, common threads that run through it, which are you are a a specialist, one, uh, and you're working with people who immediately say, I, oh, I don't know anything about that, okay, but but they need what you do. Um, you are then a translator, so you're trying to take what, you ask them what they need, and then they come out with a whole load of stuff in a completely different language, so in music they go, hey, look, I don't know anything about music, but I want something which kind of feels like this and it's a bit like this other film and they give you this whole thing which is non-musical thought and you have to translate it into music and then you make the music and then you give it back to them saying I think this is what you meant Um, and you know from what you say this is what it all what you need Um, and that's and so you end up 
yeah, interpreting what, in that case, a, a director or in a, in business, a um, a business owner, you interpret what they say they need, and you you know you you, you deliver the uh, the sort of specialist thing that they're after, um, and that's kind of similar in in finance in the sense that people I've had exactly the same language like. Uh, the first thing I'll say is I don't know anything about finance, and it was it was uncanny. It's just the same. It's like oh I don't know, I don't know anything about music, and they get really defensive. And so your first job is to kind of say, listen, just don't worry about all that. You know we're we're here to work together. And so it yeah, it's about sort of translating those two languages of business and finance, or visual direction and the music, just sort of bring them together. Yeah, no, it's an interesting parallels, and then from there. I hadn't quite heard the expression before school's finance advisor, but like I, I remember sort of asking you about the role at the time. I, I found it really fascinating. So like, I suppose in terms of the, the work in the education sector, what was the bit you enjoyed the most or where you felt you made the biggest impact uh, for the schools you served? What I enjoyed the most was definitely, it was, it was the way you could make such an impact each, each month, really. Um, but the, mo- the most enjoyable thing for me was when I really turned a corner with it and realized that it's not just the numbers in the system, that, that obviously we do use them to interpret and say, this is what this means and this is what could be down the track. Um, but it was more about the fact that bringing in all that HR data in, in particular, because the schools I was working with were, they'd be employing about between 50 and 75 people so staff costs and uh, so that was a huge part of it so it was realizing that or bringing all that in and making reports with non-financial information in them was uh, was a real big deal um but it was more it was the relationships really uh, so you'd be getting to know these head teachers and they you really become a a sort of trusted other um and you realize that uh, being at the top of an organization is actually quite a lonely spot because they, you know, everyone's at them for this and that. They're responsible for everything. And uh, I don't know, it's similar to a business in a way, but it's probably even worse in schools because the governors really have the ultimate responsibility for running the school, except the head teacher is, is actually executing on that. So they're kind of caught between, you know, all the staff wanting this and that and the, all the stakeholders and the parents. And then you've got the governors above them saying that they want this, that and the other. And everybody's speaking different languages and finance and whatever else. So it was just kind of getting those relationships together with the head teachers and realizing that they could really talk through what they felt was important with someone who they felt was not biased. Because there's a lot of politics going on and, you know, they... Yeah, I enjoyed becoming in that position of being a sort of advisor. I suppose when you lay it out like that, Patrick, I mean, the you probably just maybe not appreciate the amount of stakeholders they have to look after. And then I'll top it off. I mean, you, you can't get much more precious than people's kids, right? So there's <laughs> an awful lot of responsibility there. It can be, yeah. And when things go wrong, they'd be in the press and everything, you know? So it, it was quite a... <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I suppose, like, then in terms of supporting people going through that, like, what is what is the biggest challenge, like, we as finance professionals could help them overcome? 
Polenta, well, it's just a, it's an educational thing. I mean, no pun intended, obviously, in the first place. <laughs> but um, it was more about getting, making sure that people, whenever you speak about finance to them, you have to make sure your job is to say, okay, um, three or four months from now, four or six months or whatever, my goal is that when I say something finance-related, they actually think about it the same way I do. Because so many times you you think you're being really clever and you come out with some, you know, snazzy report and some data you pull together and you're like, ta-da, look at this. And they go, oh, yeah. And they the, the thing to realize is that they're always going to nod sagely and go, yeah, that's, that's, I, I see. But I learned I learned the hard way over, over those years that a lot of the time it's just not actually going in and they just never going to use that information it's just not happening and and it's difficult because you look at them and right there they're nodding and saying yes i, I like it. that's brilliant yeah that's really good it's really useful but absolutely no idea what you're talking about but they don't want to admit that because you know they're, they're, they're the you know they're, they're the kingpin there and they're the, <laughs> they don't want to be admitting to that so um it's that thing of saying right i have to make sure they know what i'm talking about so but you have to question that without, you know, being sensitive to the fact that you can't just say, hey, listen, I, I don't think you know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> so no, no 100%. So it was learning that, uh, those sort of skills of uh, dealing with people and um, and being able to communicate the, the idea properly. Uh, no, but you raise a very important point because you're dealing with people in, you know, essentially positions of a lot of... Um, power influence and they don't want to come across as, as not understanding something that they probably should know so mm. like you know for our audience patrick like are there maybe two or three things that you, you could share with us or break down for us where where you can know that, that that's the case that they're either getting the message or they're not getting the message and and trying to turn it around so that they do yeah i mean from from that sector a good example is the the, the timing differences that are involved so I could be saying, um, look at this, your numbers have changed. That means you you need to start planning ahead. Um, you should probably take some action now. Have you thought about your staff levels or whatever? That's how I used to do it at the beginning. And I would think that someone would hear that and go, okay, I need to start planning now. But they don't. They go, okay, he's telling me numbers have changed um, uh, and I need to sort of do something. It was kind of vague, you know, and then nothing taken on board. So uh, the, in schools finance, you have the, what you're funded on in this year is based on your pupil numbers the previous year. So it's lag. So you're always a bit of a step behind in terms of the data. So even, and, and that's the other thing, even when you say uh, lagged student numbers are going to have an effect, still absolutely no effect on action. Nobody does anything. So you have to really spell it out. So it was really saying that literally the minute you see them drop, you have to be starting to think about maybe a restructure and all that kind of thing. And that's painful. You know, they're, they're very close mm. with the people they work with. All their teachers are their kind of their generals. You know, they're all doing it out there in the field. They don't want to be getting rid of them and stuff like that. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. So sometimes you realize that people are just, just not taking it on board at all. And you have to really spell it out. Well, I like what you did there is you find like an emotional connection for them. There's something that they can they can feel and then it sort of brings the numbers a bit more to life, I guess. You yeah, know, yeah, definitely. And one emotion. of the big things that I learned um, over the time and which I will bring into this new job is that in finance, it's not a great idea just to state 
some numbers, even movements of numbers, which is more helpful. Uh, it's much better, I think, to think of how the other person thinks, what's important to them, and then quantify the figure you just gave them in terms of something they can relate to. So in schools, it was, well, look, your figures are dropped by this. That is one and a half teachers. And they immediately go, oh, right, okay, oh, my God. One, and then, you know, they're, they're on the... <laughs> They, but before they were slightly glazing over and just going, oh, God, it's the finance guy. Um, so, yeah, quantifying stuff and putting it in their language um, is, is really important, I think. Yeah, gr great example. And you did mention your new job. So, and I know you're really excited about that. So I guess what, what's, what's the bits you, you really enjoy most about at the moment? Well, I mean, all of it. It's, it's amazing. I'm just so privileged to have found this firm that are really, really looking ahead the whole time, um, you know, from day one. And what excites me most about it is that um, it's just the sheer scope of being able to continue helping people. Because that, that's the bit, like in the music and in the schools, it was always the sort of being the translator, helping people along. And just the sheer scope of being able to do that all again now, but in a new sector, it's really exciting. Because I, I kind of, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done four years in schools and I thought, right, it's time for a new challenge. Um, so what I'm here to do at Farnell Clark is to lead on the sort of bringing out the advisory uh, offer. Um, because mostly it's been uh, compliance led um, with, with some advisory. But the whole buzzword in the industry now is everyone has to be more consultative and what have you. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what really excites me is the fact that I can now get into a new sector and help people out. And like in your mind, Patrick, I suppose making that more more, more tangible for clients is, I suppose, what does advisory mean for you and, and for your clients, I guess? Right. Okay. So for me, it's been about learning a new sector and being able to speak their language. Because um, that's what I learned to do before. Um, I can remember at the beginning when I couldn't, and I can see how you know how much more effective you can be. And also, we we deal with lots of different industries here. So the the main clients we've got are from all all sorts of different industries. So in, at least in the beginning, it'll be about becoming something of a an expert ish uh, in those industries, so that I can speak that language and uh, in particular find the right metrics. Uh, that's going to be that's been key. I'm obsessed with it now. I'm trying to work out what's the best, the most important things to measure in that industry that will be able to make an effective change. So if they're not making enough money at all, you know, or if their profit margins aren't big enough, or if they've got problems with staffing or whatever happens in that industry. So I can say to them, listen, if we measure this one thing and we keep on top of it and just put it into um, this is a bit of advice I was given a while back was you don't just say we need to change this and then monitor it every month because it, it becomes a chore and it, it becomes something that they're just like, okay, we're looking at that again. Uh, you got to put it into projects and say, okay, this is going to be a project that will last from this date till this date and we're going to see who's going to be deployed on it and what we can do about it. And it could be something as simple as just... Um, we need better data out of the warehouse, you know, in a fulfillment business or whatever. And so we're just going to say to this person who works there, um, could you start to try and measure this? And, you know, some 
nothing flash, you know, but uh, it's, it's sort of measurable bite-sized chunks and, and it gets people more motivated to be able to do stuff. Definitely. And I suppose like in terms of the challenges out there, uh, you know, uh, Brexit's a big topic. But um, rather than focus so much on that, I suppose, what are the main challenges that, that businesses you serve, that they're, the, the business owners, the leaders you serve, what are some sort of main challenges that they're facing at the moment, Patrick? The, the main one that's common to all small businesses, which is short-term cash flow. So a lot of people, um, with only a few exceptions of people who are really, really doing well, and it's that, then it's more about what do I do with all this money? You know, the investment side, trying to pick a moment, the best moment to invest and where. But on, on, the, on the most part, it's because uh, we deal with businesses um, round about the kind of uh, turnover of between like 100K and, and, a, and a million. But, you know, so they're kind of small. Um, so yeah, it's cash flow, and it, it's keeping on top of it. It's the, the three three main problems people face is the uh, a money issue, just worrying about literally having the money to do it. It's, it's time, uh, so it's trying to win back some of the time for them, and we do that through various efficiencies and whatever, trying to make things run more smoothly, um, and then just peace of mind in general. So trying to give people back the, one of those or, or all three of those things, cash, time, and peace of mind. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, like I, I'm excited working with small businesses. It's always something because I suppose I grew up around them and you know ran my own business as well. And it's, I think you know one thing that that gets me, Patrick, is that statistic that that over the long run, say 30, 35 years. You know, only one business out of ten that starts will actually still be in existence, and like given given the accounting profession out there and the skills we have, like why why is that number not looking better? You know, mm. like what what's preventing us doing? Even if we made it two out of ten surviving, that's a still a hundred percent improvement. Mm. So like, is it, what what could our listeners be doing for not just maybe the small business but larger? Like, what's the things we should be doing to improve those survival rates? Uh, well, I think the first challenge is to make sure that your firm, um, you become the first person they think of whenever they make any kind of move or if they're worried about anything in their business. So it's, that's the key thing. Just in the case of anything legal comes up, you're going to think of your lawyer, right? So anything financial, anything to do with your business, you just think, I'll just run it past my, uh, my account first. Um, as opposed to you only think about them when you want to think about your tax or um, getting some compliance work done. Uh, so I think that's the key is trying to change that perception. And like, like no, I completely agree with you. Like what, what sort of, because I suppose there's that annual cycle, tax returns, accounts, so on. How do we get them to think about us outside of that? <laughs> So to say, is it do we do we have to make the first move or <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, we how, do. what have you seen works? Yeah, no, we do, yeah. Um I think um the key is for uh and, and this is you know, me turning up in the sector two months in, this is just what I think at the at the moment so far, in my opinion. Um is just that people need to uh who are working in firms in practice, uh just need to take an interest. I think stage one is being curious. So as opposed to that them and us mentality of, 
uh, they won't give me the details and I can't get the return done and uh, what are these guys like? It's thinking, all right, never mind all that. First of all, why are they not doing that? Think of, think of the benefits. So you could kind of get around all those problems. And then while you're at it, you think, well, actually, what do they do? Um, I imagine some of the, some people who are working on the year-end accounts not even sure what the client does. <laughs> it's just, are these numbers correct? Uh, you know, can they? Is this an allowable expense or whatever? Um, which is fine. That's vital work. Uh, but it's just kind of yeah, taking more of an interest and thinking, what do they do? And then when you're speaking to the client, always in the back of your mind, you're thinking, how could I help? Because, because uh, as you said, there's a big skill set already there, uh, just not being utilised. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's. I think it's taking an interest and in like more in a proactive sense, you know, sort of like so obviously when a business goes under, it fails, it runs out of money. It's like after the fact, I mean, that's a great thing with the numbers are sort of saying oh, like completely. this is the result of your decisions, right? So if you can get ahead or if we can get ahead of, of making those yeah. decisions and making better ones just because they, they think either, right, I want to run it by my finance guy, my accountant, or you know what, what would what would my finance guy do? You know, even if they could think a bit like that, I think yeah. we, we start moving the needle, which which is good for society because like they are the main engines of our economies, are the, the smaller businesses. So no, absolutely, I, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the next bit I was coming to. So that was what I was just going to say, it's the proactive thing. So once you've taken an interest, you have to start thinking, well, that's great, but um, they're never going to come to us because, like you say, the culture's not there um, for, for that to happen. So it's just making more contact points and just calling them up and just saying, right, uh, let's go through the, the month end. And instead of just emailing a report or just saying, because we, we work in the, in the cloud on zero, so you could just say, uh, your numbers are ready, and they log in and look at them, and they can. I mean, that's the beauty of it is it's one system and you can see it from anywhere and whatever. But that's no good because then they're just sitting there looking at numbers, going, uh, uh, "Great, <laughs> you know, is it, is it positive at the bottom? Okay, that's about as much as I'll take." So yeah, it's getting more involved. And my job has been to um, do the more visual representation of month-end accounts and, and go through it with people. So that's, so that's what I've been doing. Yeah, uh, that sounds fantastic. I think we, we need more of that, Patrick. And uh, I really appreciate the advice you've shared with us. I suppose in terms of yourself, I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Well, uh, there was I, I've had several mentors uh, throughout my career, and I, I do tend to stay in touch with them. And uh, one guy who was the finance director at the last place I worked, I said to him, I might be moving on, you know, in, in the future, and, and I have now up into a new sector. And when you make a big move like that, it's quite easy to kind of panic and just go, you know, I'm supporting a family. I need, to, I just need to get a job. I need to get the best paid job, and I need to get established and and think like that. And he said, don't do that. Do not do that. This is a chance to do something you really enjoy and get what you will thrive in. So his advice was be authentic, just go with what you think is going to be the best thing and never mind the salary. And that was fantastic. Yeah, it's a shame, I suppose. <laughs> like, to be honest, that's why I got into accounting. It's like you can make really good money being an accountant. <laughs> but, right. But like, but then it's finding your area, right? That, you know, I mean, that's the wrong way of looking at it. It's like, like, what would you enjoy doing? And why would you? Because that's a sustainable career that's going to give you rewards over the long term you know Absolutely, and yeah you, you know 
but 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 Patrick, no, I completely agree with, with what you said, and I suppose in terms of any resources that have helped you along your journey, you could perhaps recommend to our audience. Well, yeah, I mean, um, there's one that I know you're familiar with, which is that book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, by Dale Carnegie. Uh, that that's an absolute revelation. It's just fantastic. I I don't know why that's not mandatory in schools. I I, I don't get it. Um, it's just fantastic because that's one of the the two skills that I think are not taught in schools that should be, which is one is how to manage money. Um, not in a business. <laughs> Definitely. Not in a business sense. Yeah. Just like yeah. in life, you know. Um, and also how to how to deal with people. Um, so how to uh, you know interact with people. <laughs> normally you know, successfully uh, and that's that, that's what the Dale Carnegie's book does the how to win friends and influence people a couple more that I've read uh the last six months well there's two that I'm still actually reading one is the the art of possibility by uh Rosamund Stone Zander and um that, that's a fascinating book about again it's it's to do with dealing with people um kind of useful for if you're in a managing role and just how to deal with with teams and groups and whatever and one of the big takeaways from that was this thing he calls um giving people an a grade um so he's saying like at the beginning if you're doing a, a appraisal cycle you, you at the beginning of the year you say i'm giving you an a grade like or, or or whatever you call it, like whatever the top of your appraisal is, um, and all you've got to do to earn it is go away and write down what you did. So for, you look from now forward and imagine you're at the end of the year and you say what you did to earn that. Like why? And he says it's the most powerful thing. People sit there writing it all down, and just by default they just do it in the end. <laughs> so you end up. <laughs> There's less pressure, people actually doing, um, you know, they're working well. And uh, it's just a very different way of thinking about it. The other one is is more of a kind of, uh, more of a psychology book. Uh, it's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And yeah, that, that's, that's quite a, it's a slightly heavier read, um, but it's just fascinating for, especially those of us in finance where, we come into finance because we're quite logical and numerical. And we like to think that if you just tell someone that here's a fact and, and here it is on paper and I proved it in numbers, you'd like to think that that would just result in someone going, oh, okay, yeah, and then they'll take action. No. <laughs> and this book lays it out in, in many different ways to explain that particularly the big takeaway is that emotion trumps logic every time. For most people, I mean, for some not, but the fact is, you know, as a finance professional, you're you're dealing with most people, and, and we're the <laughs> we're the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just seeing it laid out in many chapters and proved that actually, really, uh, logic loses out to emotion a lot of the time. So it's pretty valuable when you're trying to translate stuff. Um, and the other thing is, I'm I'm a a real devourer of podcasts i love them um so i would say a great resource is your podcast andrew um it's, it's absolutely fantastic you have really uh really good great stuff going on there and but uh there's another one there's a three actually that i'm particularly into one is the cloud accounting podcast by uh blake oliver and david leary and uh another one is cloud stories with heather smith 
she's she's a she's a big name in the sort of cloud uh, cloud accounting scene over in Australia. And the other one is the CFO podcast by Christopher Argent. He's really trying to drive the the transformation in in finance to be to be more outward looking, you know, get out from behind the desk kind of uh, message. And uh, and yeah, no, he's got some great forums that he's now running and stuff. So with his, I think it's uh, it's called Generation CFO. He's, he's, he's um, quite active, quite active on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah. No, no, great, great recommendations, and I completely. Well, I, I wouldn't be as familiar with the first two podcasts, but the last one, definitely Chris Argent, great, great person, great, you know, great contributor to our profession, and as you said, he's very active. So um, I encourage our audience to reach out with him if they have any questions on the future finance or technology or the impact of the transformation agenda. He's definitely a go-to guy. To, to help guide us as well. So Patrick, great resources. I suppose if, if our audience would like to continue the conversation, what's the best way to get in contact? Uh, well, uh, at Farnell Clark, at the website, farnellclark.co.uk. That's how you can reach us. Uh, otherwise, I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Um, you just search for my name, so for Patrick Levy. Uh, you'll find me there. Um, and that's probably the best place, yeah. Awesome. Well, Patrick, look, thanks for being such a great guest and taking us through your journey from so it's engineering, psychology to the schools <laughs> to the, you know, actually the documentaries, I forget though, you know, like the music yeah. industry, film industry, <laughs> and, and that's where you currently are now in, in accounting. So again, thank you for being such a great guest and investing time with us today. All right, Andrew. Well, thanks very much for having me. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.